0: Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I am your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern-day alchemist, and on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand, and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week, we have thought leaders, change instigators and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure and how to inject more meaning connection and resilience into your life and your business. This week, I'm super, super, super excited about our guest. We have the beautiful Dr. Nicole LaPara. Dr. Nicole LaPara was trained in clinical psychology at Cornell University and the New School for Social Research. She also studied at the Philadelphia School of Psychoanalysis. As a clinical psychologist in private practice, Dr. Lapara often found herself frustrated by the limitations of traditional psychotherapy. Wanting more for her patients and for herself, she began a journey to develop a united philosophy of mental, physical and spiritual health that equips people with the tools necessary to heal themselves. Her first book, How to Do the Work, Recognize your patterns, heal from your past and create yourself is an invitation to do the work with the inner tools we all carry within ourselves. The invitation is yours if you choose to accept it. Wherever you are on your path, Dr. Lapara meets you with open arms. Your current level of self-mastery is the only prerequisite. This is a guide for your journey of Becoming. She is also the creator of the Self Healers Movement, where people from around the world are joining together in community to take healing into their own hands. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy! Well... I am super excited about our guest today. We have the lovely Dr. Nicole Lepara. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you so much for having me, Catherine. Oh, it's an absolute honor. We've been uh, looking forward to um, having this conversation with you. So the way that we love to start the show is we always love to ask our woman of inspiration her unique story. So Nicole, tell us, what inspired you to do what you do today? So my
1: inspiration, um, I think, and I describe it these days is, was my intuition. Um, as long as I can remember, I was a human little girl who was really, really fascinated, um, with other people, mainly why people were similar to me and why they were dissimilar. So before long, I guess for me, it was probably around high school age. When you start to get asked the question, what are you going to do be when you get older? Um, so from that point forward, Again, like I said, very intuitively, I was marching toward being a clinical psychologist. Um, So flash forward many years, many years of training um, in school, out of school, um, learning all of the different ways, um, or so I thought, to help assist people in healing, opening my private practice, um, again, several years into that. Um, I started to go through what I now understand as my dark night of the soul, Um, really questioning myself, my work, um, and really questioning a lot of things, uh, truths that I had been living for a really long time. Uh, And through those questions and living my own personal, what I now refer to as my own personal self-healing journey, um, really beginning to understand a bit more of why I was struggling the way that I had been for so long and why I was seeing my clients struggle in the ways that I had been witness to their struggles. And in doing so, I began to form um, what I now call my, my holistic model of wellness, really understanding the interconnectedness between our, our bodies, our minds, and our souls, and really informing the work that now many people who might be familiar with me or my Instagram account, The Holistic Psychologist, Um, now see me talking about day in and day out, um, this new holistic model of wellness that, like I said, is really um, integral in my life these days and, of course, my work.
0: Mm, I love it. And I love the fact that um, I always say you can't teach others what you have not experienced yourself. And I think when you talk (laughs) about things like the dark night of the soul – um and it's funny i was just having this conversation this morning we were talking about astrology funnily enough uh chiron which is the wounded healer is through our wounds that we can teach to help others or heal others and uh really re- i really relate to what you were talking about when you you, you explained about the dark night of the soul so f- for our listeners when you think about the dark night of the soul how would you describe the experience
1: I'm sorry, can you repeat that? You broke out a
0: second. No, no, that's okay. When you think about the dark night of the soul, uh, because we talk about that, how would you describe it in your own words, your experience? What does that mean exactly for our listeners?
1: Absolutely. And I think it it means a little something different. I think we all have our our unique uh, experiences in terms of the dark night. So, of course, I'll share mine. Um, What it was like for me was this this really vast emptiness, Um, this just deep level of discontent, I think is, is the best way to describe it. Um, where, like I said, my, my whole way of being and by the point in my life, when I really started to go through it, I had checked all the boxes, I think, as a lot of us say, right? I, I had the practice, I was in a relationship, I was living near to, to my family with whom I thought I was close at the time. And I think from outward, you know, outward appearances it appeared to the world. And I think to me as well, that I should be content. I should be fulfilled. I have the things that, you know, I had been searching quote unquote for, for so long. Um, so I think that really describes mine is this really amorphous, discontent and lack of fulfillment without explanation. Like I said, I looked around and I didn't really have, or what I felt were the reasons to be feeling the way that I was.
0: So it's, it's a really yeah. deep gut. Instinct, heart, like, because it, it's not external, is it? Because external, like you were saying, everything ticked the boxes. It was a deep piece that was missing within you. Yeah. And I would,
1: and I think, you know, retrospectively, um, <clears throat> if I'm honest, and as I think back, the feelings that I'm describing weren't new per se. Um, they perhaps maybe just hit like a, a peak. Um, so if, if I'm honest, if I look back and if I think about my life, my relationship, those words, I, I used to describe them, you know, um, discontented, not fulfilled, throw in there, not really connected um, to, to people, to others, to life. Um, I think that was really emblematic of my journey. And like I said, I, they weren't new. Um, if, if I can remember those feelings in the background from childhood, even. Um, I think, interestingly enough, as I described myself, right, as the intuitive psychologist to be, um, driven by that fascination uh, about others, I think now looking back, I connect those two experiences. I think for me, it was from that deep, lonely feeling that, like I said, had been there um, probably, you know, from birth, from my earliest experiences, feeling separate from others, I believe motivated that curiosity, that attempt to understand and explain, and if I can understand why I am the way I am and why others are the way they are, maybe I could bridge that disconnection or that gap. So flashing forward in time to what I'm now describing as my dark night, like I said, these weren't feelings for me, at least, out of left field. Oh, I've never felt discontented before, and here it is. Uh, Like I said, I think for me it was a gradual, you know, uh, increasing feeling of feelings of discontent, disconnection. Um, and lack of fulfillment that had been there accumulating over time and getting to bursting out, I think, in a sense, I think is the way a lot of us describe it, where it didn't feel manageable anymore and where the things that I had been doing through the lifetime to manage um, my coping mechanisms, if you will, weren't helping. The things that usually made me feel okay or able to tolerate those feelings um, were no longer as useful.
0: So Nicole, and I'm sure our listeners, including myself, can really relate to this. How did you pull yourself out of that? What was the turning point for you?
1: Right. So um, like I said, because it was so gradual, I didn't pay attention to it or I explained it away for a really long time. Um, By this point in life, in terms of my numerical age, I was approaching 30. I passed 30 and I'm sharing this because when I would talk or when i would hear my friends you know share about their experiences their life i was hearing a lot of similar themes um so i really wasn't looking at the symptoms or my experiences as as something big and glaring and something i needed to even do anything about because like i said it was kind of mirroring the experiences of everyone around me and i started to say things in my head like oh well this is what life is this is what getting older is right they always tell you like things change and Here I am, the drudgery of life. So I didn't pay attention um, until, like I said, and there was just, I guess it accumulated to the point where I couldn't not pay attention anymore. Um, And what I mean when I say that is the feeling of, the the depth of the feelings was so overpowering and I was starting to exhibit some physical symptoms on top of it um what for once had been you know a lifetime of of what I think a lot of us refer to as brain fog um just feeling cognitively dull not really having energy um at that point in time that really was starting to shift into forgetting my words mid sentence being really spacey and completely out of it and this began to creep into my session time with with clients um and the reason why I bring that up and why it's notable to me is in session was historically was the place that I was fully present. And so when these symptoms started to happen and I started to really feel out there, out of it, you know, distracted by my own self, um, that's when I really started to, to pay attention. And I now understand the interconnectedness of all of this, um, being so disconnected from my physical body meant that I wasn't tending to my physical body Um, and the conditions in my physical body that had evolved over time were ones of complete dysregulation. So the symptoms that kind of broke through and if I'm honest, Catherine scared the crap out of me at first um, because I thought something was physically wrong with me. I now understand, like I said, as an accumulation of a lifetime of, of not being present and not acknowledging and not tending to my whole self.
0: Mm, I love the way that you describe that, and I think that too. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's also when yeah. you're teaching, um, uh, you know, through your own experiences. There's so much more depth about it, and I kind of like to go back to the word you use: intuition and intuitive. And I'd love to really unpack that because I, I know before we got on the show, I was saying to you that there is one specific topic that I'd really like to unpack, which is the mind gut connection. So maybe let's talk about intuition exactly. How do we activate intu- intuition so that we are intuitive of those around us?
1: I love this question. and I appreciate you asking. Um, and I love even that you used the word activate our intuition because or I get asked about this concept of intuition a lot. Um, And what I want to kind of offer first as an intro is that we all have intuition. We all have that deeper space of inner knowing. I think that's the way a lot of us think of it or conceptualize it, describe it. We all have that. What has happened to most of us by the time we reach adulthood and are living into adulthood is one of two things. We either become so disconnected from our intuition Um, that we can't hear it per se. We can't connect with it. We don't hear its signals. Um, Or another thing that can happen is we might be somewhat, you know, receptive to hearing it. We might hear those pings, hear those signals. However, again, based on an accumulation of our past lived experiences, we have developed a habit of not trusting it, of not listening to it, of ignoring it, of outsourcing and looking to other people um, to help us gain clarity. So again I love that you 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 spoke that because we all have that space. Um to access it um we all have to be most of us have to begin to to cultivate a new relationship with our our physical bodies with with the space from which it speaks and I love how you entered into the conversation by acknowledging the gut. Um cuz I think a lot of us you know kind of those gut feelings or those gut instincts that's even language we'll use. Um, so I think a lot of us localize this idea of intuition in those guts and that is the truth. I mean, there are sensations, um, whether again, you want to locate it in our gut, another location for our intuition for some of us is our heart space, right? So that kind of core, um, uh, area of us, I share this because again, our bodies And the sensations and the signals and the hormonal and the energetic changes that happen in the hair on the back of our neck when our intuition you know, kind of uh, generates a a signal that maybe we need to pay attention to something happening, all of that lives in our body. And the reason why I'm spending time on this and describing it this way is because so many of us, again, into adulthood are so disconnected um, from our physical bodies for many different reasons. So learning how to access our intuition for, for many of us is a process of reconnecting um, with our physical self um, so that we can drop into and
0: attune
1: to its physical and its energetic or emotional messages.
0: The, the, the thing that comes to mind right now is the mind and gut connection. So I know for me, intuitively, I might pick up on something in my gut but then my mind gets in the way and says, oh, don't be silly, Catherine. You're just, th- this is just a narrative or this is just a story that you're making up. There's, there's no evidence around you. And I'm sure that a lot of us are like that. How do we stop the, because I know I do it and I know a lot of people do it and I'm sure our listeners listening right now are going, yes, I can, I can really connect with this. How do we get in between the mind and the gut? Like, how do we really let go and surrender to the gut without the mind getting in the way?
1: I love this because this, this is very, very common. Like I said, this is the, the group of us that, that has those pings. And then we override it. If you ask me, um, I, I believe quite universally I know you and I are on quite literally opposite sides of the world right now. Um, though there's, you know, the community of self healers is quite internationally. And I hear this, you know, pretty, pretty generally from a lot, a lot of us, um, i think that quite universally we spend way too much time in our head in general Um, i think school systems i think there's a lot of systems you know in life where we do develop that habit of outsourcing of listening to what our mind is saying versus what our body is saying Um, and then of course we have many different experiences that happen to us in life where we begin to learn not to trust that intuition um, given our childhood experiences in our homes or things that happen to us, you know, out in life for many different reasons, we develop that habit of overriding ourself. Um, So I say all that to say, <clears throat> I think be, learning a habit of, of disconnecting from the mind or the monkey mind, I think, as a lot of us have fondly or maybe not so fondly um, grown accustomed to thinking about the ever, ever non-ending, I should say, never-ending dialogue in our head. Um, I think a really great practice is learning how to disconnect from that and spending less and less time in our thinking mind and more and more time in in that feeling body of ours.
0: Mm, I could relate to that. And as you were saying, I was just thinking that quite often I try to shut my monkey mind by giving it a bunch of bananas (laughs) as often as I can. Uh, the other thing that I'd really love to unpack uh, is the ego. Uh, and I think if we, we spoke about it before we came on the show, this one topic that I think doesn't come up enough. So what exactly is the ego?
1: So in, in piggybacking on, off this concept of the mind and the monkey mind, um, what, how I very simplistically, as I often do, define the ego um, is it's the story of us. Um, The story of who we think we are, you know, what our characteristics are, our way of being, how we relate to the world. We create and we we, we begin creating this story very early on in life, from our earliest experiences, actually, um, based on how we are in the world, based on how we see ourselves and experience ourselves relating to our caregivers, to those around us, to our siblings, to our peers. We begin to create this story based on things that are said to us directly, indirectly, statements made, you know, about who we are, how we are. Are we a shy child? Or are we someone who's good at math? Um, we begin to accumulate, again, based on very real things and experiences that we have, all of these ideas about ourselves. And then we begin to create what I call the story of us, this idea about who we think we are. And the issue is, is that because this story is created at such a sensitive time in our development, um, where we are so greatly impacted by the whole world around us, um, namely our relationships with our our caregivers and our family units with the, the greater macro society, more often than not, most of us aren't, and we begin to stop presenting all of ourselves based on the experiences we had. We begin to modify. We begin to show a little less of this side of ourselves because maybe it was we felt shamed as a result of showing, you know, our sadness or showing our vulnerability. Um, Maybe we get rewarded for showing, you know, another aspect of ourselves. So for me, you know, I got rewarded when I performed academically, I got rewarded when I performed athletically. So we're modifying, modifying, modifying. So unfortunately, what happens as we age is this ego, this story of us becomes our working model for who we are in the world. However, it is at the expense of the rest of ourself that, like I said, over time in a way has been modified out.
0: Mm. I'm just thinking about another guest we had on the show a little while ago, Anita Morjani, who um, and we actually talked a little bit about the ego and she actually mentioned that because I was always thinking to myself, your ego is not your amigo. And Mm -hmm. it was really to to turn your head away from the ego because it was a a, a false persona of who you think you are, Catherine, but it's not who you really are. Um, And I remember her saying to me that for someone that is a big empath like me, uh, it's really important for me to uh, allow my ego to come in, to create a little bit of space. So I guess for me, my question around that is how does the ego serve us? I mean, what is – the purpose of the ego
1: I'm really happy you asked that and and I uh, because I do think and I see a lot of times um, the ego is misinterpreted and I think a lot of times we have the belief that the idea is to kill that's the language we use like kill the ego get rid of it It's not a good thing um, the ego actually is important it it, for, it it acted as a form of protection um, for us Because like I said, the ego was born out of experiences we had, oftentimes difficult, painful experiences that we have. Um, So those parts of ourself that we're not showing, we believe or we're doing so psychologically to some extent to keep ourselves safe. So this concept of ego, this memorized story of who we are, for a long time was our protection. It was our safety mechanism to avoid those past things that hurt us if I don't show this vulnerable side of myself that at one point I felt shamed around, I don't have to feel that shame anymore. So that is a protection. So to anyone out there who has this idea that the ego is a bad thing or a sign that something's wrong with you, I'm here to tell you absolutely not. The ego is is part of ourself. And like I said, it was actually an important part um, that we need it. Our goal, I believe, is to do what we call integrate it. Learn how to acknowledge its presence and how to shift from allowing our ego to call the shots. Because what most of us are doing is we're living reactively from that ego space, such as anytime something challenges who we think we are, someone else's opinion, someone else's action, someone else's behavior, our ego quite unconsciously snaps into defense. Again, believing it's defending us, protecting us from pain. Um, So our goal in that moment And if any, it is not going to fade away after listening to this conversation, that that goal, that 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 um, compulsion, right, that attempt, that reaction is going to be there when that challenge arises in our life. We're going to hear that voice that wants to yell and say, no, you're wrong. That's not what I am, who I am. That's not what happened. Um, Our goal in that moment is this is the language I use, at least, is to expand, to let the ego be there. And to gently then over time create space where you can acknowledge right the ego. Thank you ego for serving me in this moment for for believing you need to protect me. However, I'm not that right young child anymore who needs that protection. I'm now an adult and I can make this choice in that moment. So I love that you asked you know that question, um, allowing for some clarity because uh, the ego won't go away overnight. Now that now that you know it's there. And like I said, our goal is is to actually expand and to allow it to be there, to do what it believes its service to us is keeping us safe. And like I said, over time to begin to cultivate newer responses that are more aligned with the future outcome that we wish for ourselves.
0: Mm, I love the way that you described it. And I think when you talk about integrate, I know I've done a lot of forgiveness and uh, definitely with the ego, some of the things that I've... Um, um, held back or whatever that may be it is from past experiences from our development years and so I have forgiven very so many aspects of my life if I go into my timeline um, is that the best way to integrate your your ego I love the expansion piece so you're allow you're giving it the space allowing it the ego to be there um even um you know being grateful that it's there and thanking the ego for serving us but the integration piece I'm more curious about how do we really integrate the ego
1: now when you talk about forgiveness it's interesting because I think we all can can define um, forgiveness in different ways I think in terms of what's important for ego work and for ego integration Um, my mind uh, prefers and wants to use the word in this moment that's more closer to acceptance um like i said to to accept its presence and to over time practice new responses um, that over time can become the go-to response because the ego something else i want to mention here lives in our in our in our brain in our mind in neural neural pathways that exist in our subconscious all of those egoic reactions they say this i react with this i feel this way i do right that all lives i think as a lot of us now have heard the statement neurons that fire together fire together wire together so all of this is is kind of seared in all of this ego all of this story all of these reactions that we're describing is, is in our mind. Um, and why I'm bringing that up and what integration then looks like and why it takes some time is like I said, expanding, allowing those pathways to begin that fire to begin to fire. Cause they will do that. They're practiced, they're over practiced in doing that. And over time, as you make space for newer responses in that moment, what you're actually doing at the level of, of your brain, your mind, is you're laying down new pathways. Um, so what integration over time looks like is making sure you fire those up consistently enough so that that becomes the predominant response. So what you've done now successfully after the work of doing it consistently enough is you've shifted from that ego reactive, I call it ego consciousness, that reactive way of allowing that to generate your way of being in the world, your ego, that is that story keeping you stuck in that story and you expand into empowerment consciousness, where you have choice. And like I said, if you make a new choice consistently enough over time, you now have a neural pathway that will get strong enough, just like that old one was, and then that becomes your predominant way of being. And in my, in my opinion, belief, and practice, that's what integration is.
0: Mm, and I love the word empower uh, consciousness and, and it is everything is a level of consciousness and when you think about it I mean maybe not so much in the last 12 months but definitely the kind of the the stories that I used to hear is busy 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 I don't have enough time um, and therefore how can we become more conscious and make those deep changes that we need to make where it, it, is a, it does take a level of being present in the now and being conscious about you know, what you're thinking, what you're feeling. And as you were describing about the integration, I was thinking about the mind and body connection, uh, the, the mind and gut connection, and I just got a visual of dropping into your heart. So because when you said it lives in the mind, uh, I just had this thing like it just drops into your heart as a way to expand. So I got a beautiful visual when you were describing that. So thank you. I love that. I love that. the heart is such a
1: powerful, powerful space. Um, we have so much energy in there. It's the house of where we, you know, connect, um, not only with ourselves, with others, one might think even with, you know, our higher self. So I really, really love that you are highlighting the heart space as well. Um, the gut has gotten a lot of, a lot of talk, um, thankfully more recently. And, um, I, I think that the heart too, and needs to be, be discussed cause it's an incredibly powerful space.
0: Well, there's a lot of research now that sh- shows that when we talk about neurons within the brains, I think the heart has uh, a lot more than what the brain does. It's it's kind of the new brain, uh, and I know from astrology because uh, I study astrology. They do talk a lot about dropping into the heart uh, and expanding the heart. I, I guess that's going to take me to the. You talked about higher self, higher mind. Um, And everyone has different ways to describe that God self, whatever that may be for you. What is your trick to connect with your higher self?
1: My trick is to connect with me in quiet and going inward. Um, And I say this after years and years and years of living very disconnected. Um, For me, for a very long time, uh, my body, my emotions, myself didn't, didn't feel safe. So I spent a lot of time on what I like to refer to as my spaceship, completely disconnected. Um, and the byproduct of that was, you know, very in tune with this conversation was I was that person who maybe heard the faint pings in some distance of my intuition, though definitely wasn't practiced in, in hearing them and in, in, in adhering to to their suggestions. Um, so for a very long time, you know, learning how to to be in my body and how to to connect with, with those signals was a really, really, really big part, um, of my own, of my own healing journey. And I think it is for a lot of us is how can we be safely, um, in our bodies so that we can, whether it's the heart space or, or our gut, um, and understand and hear and, and listen, uh, to what it's saying and allow that then to be, to be our direction
0: hmm and and as you're saying it's it's i'm thinking about when you're talking about safety going into the body into that uh you know grounding yourself uh i'm I'm thinking about mother as well and i do want to sort of tie this in with healing your mother wound because i think that kind of like all links in and we have had um someone come on the show a little while ago talk about the mother wound for the very first time um it is a topic we don't I think really unpack enough. but one of the things that does come up with uh, mother wound is abandonment a lot. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts around uh, what exactly is the, the mother wound and how does abandonment link to the mother wound?
1: So we, we carry we are start by saying or acknowledging our interpersonal nature as humans. Um, some of us might have heard the statement we're wired to connect. Um, and I bring this up because from birth, quite literally, um, relationships are are a priority um, and they're a need in some way for us um, because the way that we get our needs met, our physical, our emotional and our spiritual needs met in childhood is through relationships. It's how we ensure our survival. So very early on, um, we're very receptive, we're very attuned and we're very adaptive in relationships. And what we do is we learn very early on how to keep the connections that matter to us. So this is where, obviously, for, for many of us, our core caregivers are our mom or our dad or you know maybe for others it was our aunt or our uncle or siblings or grandparents, whomever it is that raised us. Um, so you'll hear referenced uh, mother wound and far less frequently father wound um, and for me, what's important in, in that is acknowledging how pivotal those earliest relationships are, namely the modeling and and our way of relating. So what I mean when I say that is the way that we learn to relate um and the connectedness or disconnectedness we have to say, our mom, just to use this example from mother wound, impacts all of our relationships for in in future life. We tend to, create and engage in the same relational patterns. So you'll hear mother wound reference. Uh, Cause for a lot of us, the mother is, our mothers were our primary caregiver. I mean, for all of us, we were carried by a mother. Um, and then whether or not that mother was who was physically raising us once we were born or not. Um, for most of us, we spend most of our prime connectedness, um, whether we're fed, those of us who were breastfed, Um, Again, a lot of time that's attributed to the mother. Like I said, though, when I speak about relationships and our relational patterns, this could be any human who met our primary needs in childhood. Uh, The reason why abandonment is often discussed, um, because again, in childhood, we need a secure figure, at least one, to continue to ensure that our needs are consistently and predictably met. And in absence of that, if we had a mother who wasn't maybe attuned to, say, our physical needs, to know when and how to show up to meet those physical needs, to feed us, to burp us, to change us, um, it gets more complicated when we reach toddlerhood. And now we have an emotional world and that we're, you know, faced with navigating. And when we don't feel we have a secure base or a caregiver, mother, father, whomever it might be that's there with us predictively and consistently to meet our needs, which is a tall order. This is assuming that that person, that caregiver, is attuned and connected to themselves first, because I believe that we are only as connected to someone else as we are to ourselves, and then they can extend that presence to now a child, to be attuned to that child. So a lot of us, in my opinion at least, whether or not we want to call it a mother wound or just think about our relational dynamics or our attachment patterns, a lot of us struggle with that deep-rooted feeling around some degree of abandonment or, again, not having our needs predictably and consistently met such that we feel deeply alone.
0: So from what I'm hearing, the mother wound is really, uh, or whether it's father wound as well, it could be uh, a program or patterns that we carry that are not necessarily ours and therefore not always serve us in this present time. So it's really about us being more conscious about what our patterns and programs are to then see are they actually ours and then shift that mindset to go, okay, well, this is not my story, this is not my fear, this is not my, whatever that may be, and actually make a conscious change, like you're talking about neurons that fire together, uh, um, that fire together, wire together. Uh, Am I on, on track by saying it is a pattern program?
1: Absolutely. And you're so on track, Catherine, that the subtitle of my new book, How to Do the Work, is called Recognize Your Patterns, Heal from Your Past, and Create Yourself. I believe that most of us in adulthood are a living pattern. We're so pattern. We're so habitual. Most of the patterns, again, were formed in childhood and are a remnant of our past. Um, so I very intentionally picked that subheading, that subtitle, um, because I believe most of us, again, into well into adulthood, are that a living replica of our past. I also believe, as per the third, the third uh, part of that subtitle, that we can create ourselves, that we can change and break through break free from that patterning to create not only a self that's different, though a future that's different.
0: Mm, and and that was going to be my next go-to is really unpack your book, How to Do the Work, Recognize Your Patterns, Heal from Your Past, and Create Yourself. As I'm thinking about what you're saying, Nicole, I think it also takes a lot of courage to own up to this is me. That it's not, you know, I, and I think that even for me, when I do all the deep work, I, I actually... Uh, there's a level of accountability to say that this is me. This is not my relationships, not my job. It's not they, these patterns are me. And I think that the work that you do, how do you, um, how do you navigate that? That kind of like people uh, really owning up to this is me. This is my program. This is my patterns. Because I know we're very quick at blaming and looking outside of ourselves. And you know this was done to me rather than this is something that I've chosen to, you know, whether if you say, I as a soul chose my parents, therefore I uh, chose these experiences and taking this level of accountability. I'd really love to go into that piece. I know that that piece is the deep work I've been doing over the last couple of years. I've been doing a lot of that deep work. But I know that it took a lot of accountability and courage to say that this is me, not you.
1: Yeah, the, the amount of per- honesty, you know, transparency that we have to begin to practice with ourself and the difficulty in doing that is a very real part of our journey I know for me personally I didn't want to see and if I'm honest I got really good at not seeing I got really good at living on my spaceship at being disconnected at living in my egoic self self where I kept rehearsing who I thought I was and you know ignoring things like my shadow and and objective realities that I just wasn't really ready necessarily to see. Um, And I didn't want to see so much that, you know, if I'm honest with my current partner, um, went through my dark night of the soul uh, very early on into our relationship, as did she in a different way, you know, in a different journey. And as we began to enter into questioning stage and, you know, a version know, beginnings of our healing journey together and separate, um, She was the bearer of some truths, of some observations, if you will, that I didn't want to hear Um, so much to the extent that I actually wanted to knock her out when she offered some observations my way. Um, So I I definitely know firsthand um, how difficult it is and how sometimes when we do hear from very well-intentioned loved loved ones, because oftentimes they are a bit more objective to us than we are. We're subjective to our life. It's hard to really pull back and see things. So oftentimes it is, you know, our best friend or our partner or our sister that might be gently or maybe not so gently pointing out things to us. Um, And I'll be the first to admit, it's not always the shiniest reaction. We don't always receive it and say, oh, you know, very helpful. Thank you. Um, I know I didn't at least. So there's a lot of difficulty Um, A lot of the healing journey is about pulling back those layers and acknowledging um, the patterns that we're living, the habit self, as I call it, that we're expressing on the daily. I think another part or complicated aspect of it, for those of us who still have relations with our family or those that raised us, sometimes we do look over and wonder and want to go back and, and speak about or gain acknowledgement of what happened to us, or maybe we're angry and hurt, and you know it can be really really complicated um though like i said I, I i think it's a it's it's a natural thing uh to to want to ignore to want to to not see clearly um it's hard i think to to pull back and to to view though I think I speak to you know when you the reason why I talk about how these patterns come how they're transmitted through generations is not to blame. Um, it's actually to hopefully or offer relief um, for the many of us that I know are out there carrying shame, feeling like there's something inherently broken within them or within ourselves that, you know, is contributing to our struggles. So understanding for some of us, understanding our lineage, right, or, or, or how we were affected can be that relief. Um, can allow us to maybe see our patterns a bit more objectively also acknowledging that there is so much of ourself um, and there is a future that we can begin to create that's different
0: so how does one see the patterns i know for me when you talked about shadow i know that it's a lot of the times what i project onto my partner especially or my environment or friends around me and this is when i go oh okay this is the pattern and especially if I see it repeating over and over again, I can actually look back and go, okay, this has been a topic that has resonated and been repeating itself for many moons. So what's the best way to identify our patterns?
1: I think we can identify, or I know the more conscious we are, the more we can learn how to be an observer of ourself in our daily life, which is a practice in and of itself. Learning how to again honestly observe whether it's our just daily behavioral patterns, the things we see ourselves doing um, alone in relation to others. Another great area to begin to observe is internally our internal narrative that that ego we're talking about, the dialogue, our feelings. Um, and like I always say, you know, we can become we can explore ourselves. We can learn how to be so intimate with our own patterns by looking, by observing, by making it a point to practice the consciousness that will then allow us to watch, to watch our outer way of being and to watch our inner way of being. And it doesn't take too long, um, in my opinion or experience, working with others, that is, that we see them. They are so clear. We can see the endless, you know, same thematic narratives in our mind or we can maybe see the same thematic feelings right in our bodies we can find that we're always kind of drawn or feeling stress or maybe we're always you know caught up in sadness whatever it might be Um, if you begin to look it's it it becomes clear quite quickly um, what I'm describing how patterned we are not only in our way of being and relating to ourselves others or the world around us though also in our internal worlds
0: Mm, and I, I guess for our listeners too, they will find a lot how a lot more how tos in your book on how to do the work. So this is recognizing your patterns, and then you talk about healing your past. Uh, maybe give us a, a little bit of insight in what what is um, for our listeners and myself. What are we to expect from your book? What would be some sort so of like book. things?
1: Absolutely, I'm super excited actually for the book because what the book offered me the opportunity was to kind of aggregate and accumulate um from top to bottom, if you will, my my theory of holistic wellness in a different way than Instagram and and social media has allowed me to do. Um, So throughout the book, I I, we dive into our past, um, the many ways our past still affects us, um, the way it lives in our body. I talk a lot about our body um how we carry trauma in our body, in the way it reacts um, to certain experiences, in different states of nervous system dysregulation. And we absolutely, because again, we are interpersonal creatures, we spend a lot of time talking about how our trauma patterning shows up in relationships or in what I call trauma bonds. Throughout the book, um, because I think it's a lot of us you know are are wanting to begin to do the work, um, each and every chapter, Ends with how to put the concepts of that chapter into practice. So whether it's through journal prompts, uh, many of which are the same exact ones I use and continue to use on my journey, um, or daily practices, we talk about breath work in terms of regulating our nervous system. So each chapter has how to apply what we learned in in the work. So I'm hopeful that what it will offer people. Um, is a roadmap really of understanding again themselves their past in a bit of a deeper way and also providing the tools and the pathway forward
0: mm, and for our listeners you can go on to Nicole's website and download a journal so that when you do have that book you do it's, it's it is a workbook you've actually got a journal where you can start noting everything down and sort of emptying it into onto paper to really help you bring it to life and get it out of your head you also uh, facilitate healing circles, is that correct, Nicole?
1: Yeah, so my passion project, um, as soon as I kind of saw how universally resonating this work was, um, the self healers movement began to grow internationally. Um, I was starting to see and hear from a lot of members um, the desire for community, for a place to begin to go and put the work in action um, with other people putting the work in action. So very early on, I I birthed the idea of wanting to offer a virtual healing community membership um, where each month we can cover a new tool or a new topic uh, in self-healing and then together as a community um, for accountability and support, um, begin to have a space and carve out a space where we can do the work, again, creating for many of us, which is very important for our healing journey, safe relationships, authentic relationships. So last I think it was last November, um, we were finally able to open the Self-Healer Circle um, for its first enrollment. And we've now opened it, I think, three times. And we have a whole bunch of amazing Self-Healer Circle members in there that, like I said, come together monthly for live webinars, workshops, Q&As with myself, uh, many other experts in the field. And like I said, it's, it's a virtual community of healing. And it's one of my passion projects. And I'm I love being a part of it, um, and I think it's just such an amazing resource.
0: I love the fact that you call it a passion project. It's very much from the heart. Do you have any other passion projects, Nicole?
1: Oh, I have a list of them. How long do you have? I, <laughs> so many things that I want to create and put out into the world. Um, outside of the circle, I have some courses that I want to – begin to, to create. So for those that want a little bit more directed, um, how to in different content areas, topic areas, um, I'm really, really passionate about extending this type of work, um, offering something for practitioners, a membership experience. Also, again, coursework and training materials, um, so that my colleagues out there in the field, um, can begin to, to work a little bit more holistically. So I have lots of, of things percolating in my mind that, um, I'm super excited to translate into real life, living, breathing entities in the world.
0: Mm, I am sure you must be fantastic with time management to get all of this done. I think, Nicole, we're going to have to get you on uh, back on the show because uh, there are so more things that we would love to deep dive into. Uh, in the essence of time, we are going to start wrapping up the show and what we normally do is always ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. So what would be that one word for you, my dearest?
1: I love that question. Um, Conscious. I would hope uh, that people who think of this work Think of conscious, conscious business, conscious leadership, conscious living, consciousness in action.
0: Mm, Absolutely. And the last question that we always love to ask our woman of inspiration is to pick three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners. So it could be three practical exercises for our audience.
1: Yes, so going off of consciousness. Consciousness, consciousness, consciousness. No, I'm just kidding. Um, The practice of consciousness, learning how to notice when we're not Consciously present, meaning when we're not fully here. Am I here? Can I see? Can I touch? Can I taste? Can I smell the environment around me? Can I use my breath as my anchor? Um, Consciousness, I think, is the foundational golden nugget that I hope all the listeners take away. Um, I hope they take away a nugget around empowerment. Like I said, really beginning to push open that door, crack it a little bit of possibility, Um, especially those of us who feel endlessly stuck in that past um, to know that there there can be a future that's different. So I hope there's a nugget of empowerment um, that's also taken away. And I think kind of expanding on that too, even, you know, possibility. Um, I think humans are, 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 are made up of possibility. Um, and I know that many of us feel very disconnected or, or like that possibility passed us by. Uh, and I think when you walk, you begin to walk a journey of empowerment, um, at least it happened for me. I felt very disempowered, like very little was possible, at least for myself. Um, and I think as we begin to walk forward in empowerment, um, we also begin to expand um, toward possibility. So I hope that's a nugget as well that might just begin as a, as a, a sliver, a glimmer for someone, um, but to know that there there are possibilities out there.
0: Oh, I love all three. Very powerful words, consciousness, empowerment, and possibility. When we're talking about, just for our listeners, making it sure that we're they're able to apply it, consciousness would be to be present in the here, the now, and connect with your thoughts and feelings in the present moment. Is that correct? Yes. And then empowerment is giving power to thyself or to whatever that may be, empowerment to your business, whatever that may be, as a way to expand uh, is that how you would describe empowerment? Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the possibilities is to what would be looking at the bright spots or the silver lining in everything that we do.
1: Yeah, and possibility is I think just knowing that it 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 can be right, even entertaining the question. Maybe let's start with the question of 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 can it be. Um, instead of, I think, which is most of our uh, instinctual reactions that we kind of built in, conditioned into ourselves, which is saying no, not possible for me, or limiting
0: ourselves. Mm, great. I love all three of them. So, Nicole, where is the best place for our listeners to find you? Well, each
1: and every day, I know that I'm showing up on Instagram at psychologist. Um, On there, I share my own journey. I share tips and tools and all of these concepts of healing. There's also the amazing community of self-healers that are very engaged um, in the comments section there. Uh, Those that like YouTube, a little bit more of a visual, there's a YouTube channel, The Holistic Psychologist. It's getting revamped and will be, in the next month or two, um, a new look will be coming up and new YouTube videos will be going up. Um, I'm always shouting out the Instagram, though, because like I said, I'm there every day. I also have a website at yourholisticpsychologist.com. So anyone who's interested in grabbing those free journal prompts called Future Self Journaling can jump on the email list on there, and that will get sent right to the email.
0: Nicole, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, sharing your wealth of wisdom, uh, your vulnerability, your time, and your energy. Thank you so, so very much.
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Catherine.
0: Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. Or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit that subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do... Please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at Katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Catherine Plano. Until next week, please take care of yourself. Much love and gratitude. Thank you.